Welcome to the Milestones Motivation and Money Podcast, hosted by Angel Radcliffe. Tune in as we discuss finances, success stories, and inspiring vibes that will help nurture growth. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, I have a very special guest. I have Daniel Botero, who is a career expert, best-selling author, and podcast host. He's also the founder of Mastering College to Career. So we'll have him on to give us some really great advice for those who are entering college, leaving college, and just getting their footing in the corporate world. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So we were linked up through a mutual connect. And I believe someone who's worked with you in the past. So I, I just have to give a shout out to social media. It's awesome the way that you meet people and form these relationships. One of the things that I will delve into right off the bat is this whole mastering college to career. Tell us about your business. Yeah, th- thank you. Yeah, we did get connected by Jasmine, who was somebody who was in mastering college to career. And we were able to help her get a job with IBM. But Mastering College to Career is a business where we help primarily first-generation, minority, and low-income college students master the transition from college to career and ultimately help them get a the, uh, really amazing job. I've just found through doing this that your first job out of college really does set the rest of your sets the foundation for the rest of your professional career. My goal and my team's goal is to help college students get an amazing job that's going to help them be very successful for the rest of their career. That's really amazing because if I look back on my life and I'm looking back to when I graduated college, I remember wanting to get a job as a financial analyst. So many companies I had the door shut in my face. I was given, no, you don't have the experience. And I think so many people have heard this, especially as a young adult. And one thing that comes to mind that I still hear today is how can I get the experience if no one will give me a chance? (laughs) So how does your program really position young adults to answer that particular question or sort of step their foot around this whole five years experience. How can you expect someone to have five years experience if they just graduated from college? I I think it's really funny how people just say, we're looking for a level entry job that has 15 years of experience and is willing to work for $30,000 a year. What are you trying to do? This doesn't even make sense, but it happens very too often. And honestly, what, what it comes down to is truly understanding what the companies are looking for. And I guess the best way, and I know a lot of your audience is is business owners and understand finances. So the best way I can understand it is explain it is this. Every company, regardless of its size, whether it's the US government, Apple, or a small business mastering college to career has limited resources. And because of the fact that we have limited resources, every time we decide that we want to hire someone we have to look at it as an investment. If I'm going to pay someone $50,000 right out of college, I can't use that money for marketing. I can't use that money to buy software. I can't use that money for anything else, but I've allocated and said, I'm going to invest this money to hire Daniel because I know that investing $50,000 in Daniel, it's either going to save me over $50,000 or it's going to make me over $50,000. So think about it like this. When the jobs open, when you see a job, whether it's on LinkedIn, Monster, Indeed, whatever that might be, the first question you need to ask yourself is, 
what is the problem that the company is trying to solve by hiring for this role? If you can understand the root cause of the problem or, or the opportunity, and you can communicate why you solve that, your experience does not matter. Because ultimately, the reason why they're asking for experience is because they think that the best indicator of future performance is past performance. But if you can show them and, and showcase them um, with examples of, of projects, works, or even assignments that you've done just for this job that you're applying for, how you can do the job and you can be a good investment, then your experience doesn't really matter. Right. And if you want, we can role play this or we can talk about this more examples. But ultimately, it just comes down to whoever can communicate their value best wins. And the easy way of looking at someone's value is their experience. But there's a lot of other ways to communicate that. I want to take a look at your experience when you were in corporate America. Was starting mastering college to career a direct result of, of that corporate experience? Or can you walk us through that? And then what was the point of starting this company. Yeah. I grew up right being a low income from a low income family. I'm a minority. I'm a first generation college student and I'm not from this country. Right. So I come here uh, to America and I said, buying a home in America is just the American dream. Fast forward, having a good job is what's going to allow me to get a, a buy a house. And I thought that everybody who went to school in America automatically graduated with a job which meant I could buy a house, which meant I could do my American dream. Fortunately, I'm one of those people that if I think that's what happens, that will happen because I just work really hard until it happens. So I grow, go to college and have an amazing opportunity to go work at PepsiCo. And what happens is I assume that everybody had an opportunity like I did. But when I look back and I was seeing my friends who were graduating the same time as me or even after me, they were getting jobs that didn't require a degree. They were getting making half the money that I was. And, and I realized that they were more the norm and I was more of the outlier. What I did naturally was do what a good Hispanic does is try to help his community. It starts helping my friends, my Hispanic friends that I was hanging out with and say, come work at Pepsi. And then I started going back to the student organizations that I was involved with and said, come work at Pepsi. And I figure out how, what you need to do to get a job at Pepsi. How do you communicate that value? How do you show your work ethic? How do you show your leadership skills? And when I tell you I was 10 for 10, if I say you're going to get a job of Pepsi, they got it. I was 10 for 10. And that allowed me to see that I was passionate about helping people with their career because I was seeing my friends get jobs and changing their whole life. And that really led to me saying, not everybody should work at PepsiCo. Not everybody wants to work at PepsiCo. So does what I've learned from working at PepsiCo, from doing campus recruitment at PepsiCo, can I help other students get jobs at other companies? And that's how it started. For five out of the six years while I was at PepsiCo, I was doing public speaking for free. I was mentoring students for free and I was helping students get jobs. And that was where at one point is where I had to transition and say, okay, what do I really want to do? I want to continue building, going up the corporate ladder after being at PepsiCo for six years and being promoted three times? Or do I want to go and just start a business where I, my full-time job is helping students? And I ended up making the jump. And now it's been three years and the rest is history. And it feels so amazing when you have your own business and you really don't have to answer to anyone. <laughs> so think of, I, want, I want you to think about that pivotal point where you jumped out. Did you have entrepreneurial experience before? Did someone guide you? How did you learn how to start a business? 
Yeah. So I think I've always been very entrepreneurial minded. I've always seen myself as a problem solver and, and looking at opportunities has always been natural to me. Even when I was nine years old, I've always grown up playing soccer and I would, people behind my house, there's a big field. I live near a YMCA and I would see some adults come play behind my house every Tuesday, Thursdays, and Sundays. And they would come straight from work. I can see them change out of their work clothes in their car to their soccer stuff, but they would bring no water. What I did was walk to the grocery store that was three blocks away, fill up a cooler, and then sell them water. So I've always been entrepreneurial. I've had businesses here and there. If you think about official businesses with an LLC, three, three businesses before I even started mastering college to career. I don't know if one particular person taught me is just more tons of books, right? I'm just a big reader and know that if the best way to learn something is to learn from someone who's done it. And now if I don't have access to that person, the second best way is from books. That's how I've always been, how I've done things. I, it's like, where am I in my business? What's my biggest roadblock? And how can I learn that? Um, like right now I'm reading a book called Traction. And it's about scaling my business. So it's just one of those things as where am I now? How am I stuck in marketing? Okay, let me read three or four books on marketing. Am I stuck at sales? Let me read three to four books on sales. And that's just continue and climbing and falling and getting up. Definitely. It takes a, a lot of turns to try <laughs> to get it right. So I want you to walk us through the process of your program. So let's act like I'm a student. I'm in college. And at what point should someone start looking into your program? Is it their junior year? Is it their senior year? Yeah. Give us some insight into that. So I honestly think, so the way that my program works is that as a lifetime program, we work with you to get a job. So to be honest, the earlier you are, the more value you're going to get because the price of the program doesn't change on how far or, or how soon you graduate. But what I found, Angel, is that there's five steps that every student needs to go through in order to get the job. And whether they're in the program or they try to do this on them, themselves, and they're going to go through this five steps. What I do is to really help facilitate the, the process of them going from step one to step five. And here's the five steps and you're going to really be able to relate. Anybody listening can relate. Step number one is all about clarity. And this is a step that people sometimes try to skip. But the reality is that you can't be the ideal candidate for every single company out there. There's over 5 million companies in the United States alone. And it's not until you have some clarity about what you want to do and what type of company, what type of industry that you want, that you can then create a target list of companies. And that's going to dramatically increase your chances. When you can focus on a handful of companies, identify what those companies are looking for, aka what problem they're trying to solve, and then position yourself to that, is going to, you're going to find dramatic, a lot more success. Then that takes you to step number two, which is visibility. And what I found is that visibility is actually more important than ability when it comes to landing your first job. Like, I think we've all met some really smart individuals, driven, hardworking individuals that are not reaching their full potential. And the reality is because they probably didn't even know where to look, where to apply. And this actually happens a lot to our minorities. There's really smart ones and they're really driven, but they don't have the mentor or the, or the parents to say, Here's a company at Accenture. Here's a company at PepsiCo that you should go out after. Here's how you apply. Here's how you get visible because if you just apply online, you're going to be one of thousands of applicants. So if you network with somebody like Angel who has been there, she can walk you through the process and even connect you with the right person. So it's this, this visibility stage. That then takes you to step number three, which is networking. And the truth is that networking is the way in because over 85% of all jobs are filled through networking and referrals. 
is about how to properly build relationships. Again, we hear networking is important, but no one teaches you how to build the relationships. We do that in our program. And then that takes you to the interview because referrals don't guarantee you a job. It just guarantees you an interview. And then you have to properly communicate your value in the interview. And then that takes you to the job offer. And then from there, it's about making sure that you're negotiating the best salary possible and then setting up a good financial, good financial principles like budgeting and building your credit score, which I, I go over a little bit just because I'm very passionate about it, but I'm definitely no expert like yourself. Thank you. <laughs> so when I'm, when I'm on LinkedIn, I typically receive so many messages per week from college students or people who have just recently from uh, graduated from college and they're asking me to take a look at their resume. Hey, can you give, an, give me an advice? Or they're saying, hey, I see you're connected to this person. Do you mind passing my resume along, mm-hmm. doing a soft introduction? And I typically try to find time to talk to these students because I remember when I was their age and we didn't really, well, I don't want to, I don't know about you, but when I was graduating, the internet was not too popular. <laughs> the internet wasn't too popular. And I believe LinkedIn was probably just coming around. It wasn't as popular as it is today. So there wasn't a lot of people that you could just reach out to randomly online. Uh, you had to physically have these people in your network or your parents had to know someone to really help you get your foot in the door. And, and I remember just having such a tough time. So I am so passionate about giving advice to uh, young adults. And when we think about internships, typically those happen right after the sophomore year, right after the junior year, your program is also helping students gain internships. Yeah. Internships are just a positive side effect of the program. We focus on full-time jobs, but the best way and easiest path to get a job with a a top company or a competitive company is through their internship. So because of that, we're going to focus and make sure that you're successful at getting an internship because we know that is the easiest path. Generally speaking, and I can't speak for all companies, most great organizations have internships only as a as to create a pipeline for candidacy. And most companies are looking to convert at minimum 80% of their interns. So as a career coach, knowing that um, my best interest is for you to get an internship because we can teach you how to be a good intern. And we know that we can essentially virtually guarantee you get a full-time offer after your internship. Exactly. Because most companies go back to their interns for for those full-time positions. As a first-generation college student, you've already mentioned some of the challenges that you've encountered and really seeing the differences between yourself and your peers. But when we're thinking about everyone as a whole, I myself, I'm a first-generation college student as well. So I definitely understand the challenges and I understand um, getting ahead of your peers and seeing them not being able to excel or advance as fast as you, you have. But do you specifically go out into the community and, and try to locate these particular students or are they coming to you? So let's talk about marketing and how you're really reeling these students in. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you. There's three ways where three and a half ways I get students. The, the half is just natural. Number one is through LinkedIn, right? If you look at my LinkedIn, just like I expect my students to have complete clarity to communicate what they want, I have to have complete clarity and communicate what I do. So the first thing you're going to see if you go to my LinkedIn is I help first generation and minority college students, right? It's extremely clear. So if you're a minority and first generation student, you know that I can help you. So it's about having a clear marketing message. So LinkedIn, I would say, is where I get um, half of my students. 
The other half come from referrals. So students who've been in the program who now they refer their friend and the podcast. And then obviously I also, and then I also do speaking. I don't do it as much in the last two years. I don't, I, I find it, I don't enjoy it as much. I don't know what, in a sense, I just don't prioritize what we were talking earlier. But when I do speaking, that obviously then generates interest and brings people to my program. But those are it, LinkedIn, podcasting, and referrals. So you have a book and you have a podcast. How did those things come into fruition as a part of your brand? So I got the book because my mentor has a book and she says, Daniel, you need to write a book in three months. And I said, well, if I want to reach what, if I want to be as successful as her, I'm going to listen to her. So I listened to her. So I wrote a book and it really was more about putting my strategy and game plan to play. Literally, it was as simple as I've been speaking to over three, I've, I've done over 300 speaking events. I've spoken to tens of thousands of students. What do I give them in this one hour speech? And can I put this in a book and elaborate on the details? And that's what the book is. The podcast, to be honest with you, started as a way to network with very successful people. Because if I were to you and I said, hey, Angel, I would just like one hour of your time to get advice. You would be like, Daniel, I'm really busy. But if I say, hey, Angel, can I interview you for my podcast and I get one hour worth of advice, but not just for me, but for everybody else, then the conversation is goes from I'm really busy to sure. When are you available? So 200 episodes later, I've created some really great relationships. Awesome. I've listened to your podcast and I was just like, oh my gosh, there's so many amazing people pouring information into young adults. So it, it's definitely great to check out if you're listening. So same name, Mastering College to Career, which is also the same name of your book. So is the book also a part of the program or it's more so separately? So say if, if I'm a student and I'm signing up for your program, do I receive the book for free? You would. And honestly, if you, anybody listening to this just wants the book for free, they can just text me and I'll send you a PDF version of it. You just text me at 321-221-5240 and just say book. Now that's awesome. That's really great. <laughs> I think the book is, here's the thing. The book is great for any, and not just saying my book, any book, the book will teach you the knowledge, but 80% of the problem is not the knowledge, is the execution and is that accountability. And I think that's the difference between the book and the program is it's, it's never a lack of knowledge. You can YouTube everything. There's free resources out there. I'm even willing to give you my book for free or you can buy it on Amazon and I, I would appreciate that too. But I think the difference is how much accountability do you want in someone holding your hand and telling you, hey, how did you do this week? And I think that's the difference. So when you hear the impact that you're making on other people's lives and you're getting the feedback, how does that make you feel? I think it's really awesome. And I think one of the things I started doing more is just quantifying what that impact is. Just doing, so if you go to my website, you can see the statistics. What's the average student make in our program or what's the success rate? And I think to me, it's, I look at it like it's not just their life that I just impacted, but it's the next generation, right? Because if, because I am working with so many minorities and first generation students, and because my average student is making $70,000, which is 19% uh, more than the average student nationwide, that to me is priceless. Like it literally puts a smile on my face when I get a call or a message from a student that says, I did it. I got it. I can't believe it. I didn't believe it, but now I, we're here. We did it. That to me is, I can't even quantify that. I'm trying to, but it's, you can't quantify the emotion side of it. 
I'm pretty sure that it definitely encourages you to keep going and try to touch as many students as possible. But it's amazing what you're doing. And I'm so glad that we were able to connect. You mentioned that you have a mentor yourself. And within this program, I know that you're mentoring so many people. You're encouraging them. You're coaching them. So outside of the program, do you have any other mentees or people that you would consider more of? You know, sometimes we build relationships with people and we tend to call them, oh, this person is like my brother or my sister. And you really want to help them succeed outside of something that you're doing in the business world. So do you have any relationships that? Yeah, I have a lot. I'm just a natural giver in a sense. Uh, One of the ones, the first that comes to mind is because I was raised by a single mother, I started volunteering my time as a big brother from Big Brother's Big Sister. Uh, And that's an organization that helps. So big is if you're a big brother, you're helping a boy that doesn't have a male role model. If you're a big sister, you're helping a a woman, a girl that doesn't have a, a positive woman role model in their lives. And I've been mentoring my little brother, Zach, now for nine years. So I, I got him when he was in middle school and, and now he's in college. So being able to see that he never even thought about college was like, maybe, and now he's in college. I would be, I was a direct influence of that, right? He saw me go to college. No one in his family has gone to college. It's this positive trend that you try to leave a legacy for him. All right. We're, we're nearing the end of the podcast. So I just have to ask this burning question and Of course, you've been in the corporate world. We've both worked for PepsiCo, uh, so we have that in common. Working for great companies, you tend to learn so much about corporate. You learn about the corporate politics and the ins and outs. And sometimes those things are not necessarily taught to you as you're exiting college. And how do you prepare for this corporate environment? Is that a part of your program as well? Do you get down to the nitty gritty of, all right, this is what you really need to know about corporate. (laughs) Like some of those corporate secrets, (laughs) how to survive. We dive into it, but not the core meat and potatoes. Actually, the next program that I'm developing that will be out in six months, is going to be called Career Masters. But essentially, yeah, I think it's important to understand that at the end of the day, it's a human to human relationship. So if you can master that skill of relationship building, then you're you're going to be, you're going to be fine. Essentially, if you can, if you continue to restart the five-step process that I talked about earlier, so gain clarity about what role you want next, gain visibility from your managers, build relationships, interview for the role, it's, it's going to work just fine. But yeah, we dive into it a lot more when we have speakers, but yeah, that is actually funny that you said that is actually the next phase of my company. It's continuing. Hey, we helped you get the job. Now let's help you get promoted. <laughs> Let's help you survive. So I asked that question because speaking about mentees, I have a few mentees myself. And of course, sometimes you, you may see yourself in someone else. And I do have mentees where I'm like, oh my gosh, this person reminds me of me when I was their age, when I was coming out of college. And, and sometimes we don't really know the protocol. Uh, my mom never worked in corporate America. So my mom could never really give me advice as far as how do you do things on the job. And typically when I'm still talking about corporate all these years later, she's what? I don't understand because she's always been, she's been in sales and she was an, an entrepreneur. And when I have my mentees who are going through the same things that I went through, I remember I was a bit mouthy in my 20s, not necessarily understanding like the whole corporate politics. I, I typically pull people aside and I give them a little bit of advice. And, and then once I get down to the nitty gritty, I don't know if I can be your official mentor anymore because I've told you too much, but it, it's always good to have some great insight. So as we're getting ready to close out the podcast, I always like to ask my guests three questions as it relates to the title of the show. And this is the, the game show phase. So let me know when you're ready. Ready. Let's do this. <laughs> 
So let's talk about milestones. And can you tell us what is the most memorable milestone that you have? So I, I mentioned earlier that I, I'm not from, I'm, I'm from Colombia and I moved to the United States when I was eight years old. And my definition of the American dream was to own a home. And 15, I didn't plan this. It just happens to be that way. 15 years from the same day that I arrived to this country, I was handed the keys to a brand new home that I had built. So mind you, I bought the home that I wanted. I built it from scratch and I have no control of the schedule that the builders go on and on what time when my closing date was. And to get the keys on that same like day, January 31st, 15 years later was one of the biggest milestones ever. My mom and I both cried in this empty house. That's amazing. And so I'm sure it's a dream come true. Uh, home ownership is definitely something everyone should be striving for. So, so hopefully those that are listening can get some good tips on another episode. But the next question is in relation to motivation. So how do you motivate other people or what motivates you? I think my ability, what I do a lot as a motivator, as a coach is to show them what is possible that they might not see because of their upbringing or their surroundings. My job is to shine the light on opportunities and show them the path to that opportunity. So if, if you've never even thought that you can graduate college making 80, $90,000 a year, I'm gonna show you what's possible, but not only say, hey, here's an amazing job that you could get, but here is how you get it. That's, that to me is how I motivate my students is not only by showing them what's possible, but how to do it. All right. And the last question is definitely in regards to my, my favorite subject, money. Um, <laughs> thinking about money, and this probably goes back into your childhood or even being in college, but when do you feel you first had a relationship with money? And give us an example. I think it was going back to when I was nine years old and just knowing that my mom was working seven days a week and couldn't afford any extra stuff. We talked about the five, the 50, 30, 20 earlier not in this episode, but my mom was 99% needs. There were, there was no savings and there was no wants. And for me, I, I had to figure it out. I could never ask my mom for money now because she wouldn't give it to me. The problem is I think she would, but is what would you have to do to get that? My relationship with money was how can I start making money as early as possible myself so that I wouldn't be an extra burden to my mom. Oh man, we have something in common there. So that might turn into another podcast episode, but <laughs> definitely feel you there. So uh, <laughs> Daniel, it's been such a pleasure having you on today as a guest. So for people who are listening, where can they find you on social media? The best platform is just LinkedIn. Just find Daniel Botero on LinkedIn. And that's what you'll find me. Just send me a message and just let me know you heard me on your podcast. And I would love to connect. All right. And your website? Um, MasteringCollege2Career.com. So you just Google that. I think I own the first three pages of Mastering College to Career. And you can find anything you want. Book, website, podcast, everything. All right. And, and for those listening, I'll also list all of this information down in the show notes. Thanks, Thanks for, so listening. for listening. Stay connected with Angel online on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss RMBA. That's M-I-S-S-R-M-B-A. Be sure to subscribe and review. Join us next time as we continue to empower you through milestones, motivation, and money.